Teach me to dance. Will you? Dance? Did you say dance? Come on, my boy. Baby boy, how are you doing? Episode six, my friend. Episodes, we've made it to six. I can't believe it. I never thought we'd get past two. I thought we'd stop at two as well. Yeah, nearly, nearly at the decade, the decade episodes. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It is amazing. And uh, we've got uh, we've got the most amazing guest for uh, episode six, haven't we? We've been treated to royalty this week, Daz. Yeah, ab- absolute class. Ultra, ultra legends. Not not just Spartathlon legend, but ultra legend Mimi, Mimi, marvelous Mimi Anderson, um, <laughs> very kindly gave us uh, gave us some of her time, and ah, she's just amazing. Um, There's a couple of things so, that I love about the podcast this this episode with uh, Mimi Daz. But first of all, I, I love the fact that in the intro, she didn't remember us. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, did, yeah. why did you expect that she would remember us? I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess she could have lied. I mean, you know. You obviously, you have such an impact on people, David, don't you? Uh, the, the other thing that, that you misremembered was that you, when we did meet Mimi that time, that yeah. you thought it was a bunch of uh, Norwegians that was also there. And it, and it wasn't. Was it? It, was, uh, it was actually the very famous uh, ultra runner, Johan Steen. I can't Legend. believe you forgot that. Mate, that's that, legend. That, that's such a massive schoolboy area. I'm, I'm deeply ashamed to Johan and the beautiful team that we saw at the top of the mountain and all their kind hospitality. So I'm never going to yeah. live that one down. But then again, you, you tried to trump me by massively getting all of the facts wrong with um, what you know, uh, Mimi had actually done these races. <laughs> oh, did I? Oh dear. Well, she's done. She's done so so many, like so many. You know, obviously, all the sort of classic, classic ultras, and yeah. sort of uh, seemed to kind of. Well, I guess maybe one or two people had done the concept of doubles before, but Mimi kind of made it made it her own, didn't she? So, uh, so kind of basically doing a a huge ultra, um, and then turning around and running back to the start line again. Um, it's just utterly sort of, insane just, and even mind, having mind spoken blowing. to Mimi I still can't get my head around it I mean there's just so much to consider I mean the logistics alone you know you do a race don't you Daz and deep down you know you've kind of got the whole organisation of the race there to back you up you know there's the infamous yeah. death bus in Spartathlon the vomit bus you know if you found yeah. on the side of the road hopefully someone can <laughs> scoop you up yeah. and take you but you know in in doing the double you know you literally you wake up 
having finished the race and you're heading off into the complete unknown. There's no checkpoints. There's no relief for food, nutrition, as, as Mimi yeah. explained, you know, even having traversed all the way back from Sparta back to the city of Athens, like so many before, she had absolutely no idea how to physically find the Acropolis. You know, I mean, I've mm. been there myself. We've been there, haven't we, Daz? Like trying to find the thing. Trying to find it, yeah. <laughs> trying yeah, to start yeah. line. I mean, wow. Yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, it's just a, a new, a new realm of sort of psychological uh, toughness. I mean, obviously the physical side of it as well, but just, yeah, psychologically how she manages to, um, Keep her keep herself going, and so and so she's the the doubles is something she's done double double sports athlete double double GUCR double, uh, comrades. double bad double comrades yeah yeah uh, double bad water yeah. double bad water oh. we did, we didn't ask um, her if she'd done her local double park run double park run <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but not only has she done those doubles she's also um, she's got an amazing record of uh, multi multi day running. Yeah. Uh, so setting records for running uh, across countries. Uh, so she held. I don't know if she still holds it. She had the record for running uh, the the length of Ireland from uh, yeah. south yeah. to north or north north to south. Um, but she also uh, for quite a long time held the 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 joggle record. Uh, for running from uh, the tip of Scotland to uh, the tip of southwest tip of England, um, and did, did she actually run the Le Joc as well, or just the uh, Joggle, the John O'Groats, the Landing? First, the first time she tried it, I think she did start in Cornwall. Yeah, um, okay, I think yeah. That, that first attempt didn't didn't go too well. Uh, I think she was carrying an injury uh, when she started. Um, yeah, so she talks a lot around that, which is which is fascinating. Um, yeah, do you ever fancy the multi-day stuff? David? Massively, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely going to start doing some stuff. I've, I've always wanted to do Dragon's Back, which is the okay. uh, you know the, running the kind of the spine through some of the toughest terrain in Wales, and that was always a race that was held every other year. But they've now announced that's going to be annual, so that's pretty oh, awesome. That's brilliant. Obviously, Cape Wrath is something we've talked about a lot, isn't it, Daz? It'd be great to get up there, your horse home turf, and, and tackle that bad boy. Yeah, is that the 500-kilometer um, route? Yes. Mm. Oh, that's good. But, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm very tempted. I mean, we've discussed, haven't we, the idea of doing our own self-penned stuff, maybe circumnavigating islands that haven't been done before or doing point-to-points. Mm. But, yeah, so I'd, I'd love to start getting into that stuff does. That's good. I'll, I'll I'll crew you while you do it. That's, that's <laughs> you'll, you'll send me texts, yeah? Some GPS locations. You're lost again. Yeah. Yeah, you've gone off course. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got a sandwich ready for you. That's that kind of thing. <laughs> One more yeah, sandwich. Yeah. I mean, just the thought of, yeah, day after day after day. I mean, much as I love running. Oh, my God. The pain. The pain levels. I just, it must be off the charts. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, you ran a bit with with Dan, didn't you? And Dan Lawson on his joggle attempt uh, that last was, year. That, that was just an insane experience, and a lot of the stuff that Mimi shared about, as you mentioned, Dan, the sort of the joggle and the run across America. It kind of reminded me vividly of 
of the sort of fine margins of those types mm. of things. So yeah, I remember Dan, who was obviously trying to break such a tough record of uh, kind of nine days for doing the 870, 80 miles is yeah. you, you have this sort of plan which allows for about four hours of sleep a night. And oh. when that plan goes off kilter and, you know, you've then got three hours or two hours, I mean, you know, it just becomes impossible so quickly. So, you know, Mimi was saying, wasn't she? She was started off the America challenge and she was finishing what kind of roughly sort of 6, 7 p.m. in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. To start off with, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then she kind of got to the point where even she, we're sort of finishing closer to sort of 10, 11. And the routine was to sort of to try and get up at five o'clock. Wasn't that right? So sort of 5 a.m. Yeah. Right. Five or six. Because she was saying. I think a little she, bit, a little bit earlier she gets up. Yeah. But I think yeah. she starts running. At, I think she starts running at about five. Yeah. That's right. And, but she was sort of saying, wasn't she? She knew that her body clock wasn't ready, you know, to sort of get up any earlier. And yet as the challenge yeah. wore on, she kind of knew that time-wise she would need to consider getting up say at 3 a.m or 4 a.m start running at those times and she just physically felt that that's when the sort of pain was really kicking in um so yeah, yeah. i mean that that to be running at those kind of micro levels and and the psycho psychological pressures you must be under each day knowing that yeah. you know, when you finish you've got to shove down some food have some physio <laughs> have a 60 minute nap and then get back up and do it again yeah very few people can do that at the type of limits we're talking about to break world records you know yeah Just yeah it's pretty insane. it's pretty special it's pretty special stuff i mean yeah i mean uh, you know i think dan uh, um yeah, he's obviously um well i mean probably the best the best ultra runner in, in the country really um in terms of number of things he's done and um you know the sort of consistency that he's he's done it uh and he's done all kinds of i mean he's got he did an amazing six day race last year um but even for dan to try to you know that that juggle that juggle record i think he got into as deep as sort of day seven or even day eight didn't they? and he was still maybe day seven i think he was still you know still had a chance but oh, yeah just just so much um it'd be great to I'd absolutely love to see dan go and do that again um maybe maybe sometime later this year would be amazing uh, it'd be amazing to to watch that um but yeah i mean mimi's just yeah just just incredible and the, the the story about the transcon and um yeah what she went through there is just yeah there's not many people can put themselves through that as you as you say um we should put her on shouldn't we let's do it my friend welcome to uh, episode six of the legends of sportathlon podcast Mimi Anderson. Hello, Mimi. Hello. Nice to be oh, yeah. here. Thanks a lot for joining us, Mimi. We really appreciate it. Um, I, uh, I started reading your book uh, yesterday, and I was, um, I was shocked. I was absolutely <laughs> shocked, because I didn't, I didn't know that you're Scottish. I am. I don't sound it, though, do I? No, I sound very English. <laughs> I should I have guessed. didn't realise you, you grew, up, grew up in Scotland. Perthshire, was it? Uh, well, in, in Edinburgh, yeah. So my father was in the army. So we, uh, we travelled around quite a lot. But when I was 12, we went to Edinburgh. And we lived there. Well, 
my mother still lives there actually which is really nice fantastic yeah i grew up in uh, i grew up in dundee oh well there you go you see part of scotland yeah there's lots of uh lots of good golf around there mimi actually on that, it, on I that edinburgh coast that and fife oh you, yeah you'll you love it you'll love it yeah, I only took up golf so that I could uh, do that. What's it called? The one where you just, you hit the ball, then you run with your golf bag and then you hit the ball, then you have to run again. I can't remember what it's called. It's um, some ridiculous thing, speed golf or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I usually go up there and run or bike or something. So. so Mimi, can you remember the first time that we met yourself and myself and Daz? No. <laughs> That's very embarrassing, isn't it? So it was at the bottom of the Spartathlon mountain, but it wasn't uh, in the race itself. It was on your return leg. Oh, yes. Your... No, I do remember that. I was lost trying to get onto the mountain. Exactly. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you showed us the way. And when we, when we reached, you, Daz, do you remember when we reached the top of the mountain? Do you remember the uh, Norwegian guys we met there? They, they, yeah, I do. They, they weren't, they weren't Norwegian actually. I don't know if ah. you remember those guys. Maybe they, they were Swedish. Ah, Swedish. Yeah. And, and yes, I, yes. One of those people was uh, was Johan Steen, who's uh, obviously. Did they offer you some? Did they offer you some shots on top of the mountain? They, they were. I think um, they did. Yeah, they no, I think a, they, they did actually. Yes, I did not partake. I would just like one. to say, yes, I did. Yeah, <laughs> 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 that is not the time to have it for me anyway. <laughs> yeah that, that that probably wasn't the time so yeah i mean maybe you can take us kind of um a bit back to the start i mean how did you um how did you come across spartathlon um as a as an event i mean i think you you were quite an experienced ultra runner before that weren't you from the sort of late 90s or early early 2000s but your your first spartathlon was maybe was it nine or ten something like that uh 2011 so, yeah, but I, I, um, I'd heard about it in, it was 2004, and I met John Foden himself, actually. I met him, and he kept on saying oh, well. to me, Mimi, come on, you've got to go and do this race. I said, John, forget it. Absolutely forget it. I am not fast enough. And then I met him, um, I think probably a year later or something, and he said, Mimi, go and do the race. I went, no, I am not fast enough. I, you know, there is no way I would die doing that race. Anyway, um, as time went on, of course, you know, you start thinking. And I thought, actually, do you know, Mimi, if you don't do it now, at some stage, you are going to be such a geriatric that you won't be able to do it anyway. And so, you know, you might as well get it done. So I entered it uh, 2011. And I did work really hard, actually, A, to sort of obviously to qualify. Qualifying is now completely different. But um, I, just, I just wanted to finish I had no expectations. I had no goals other than I was going to run my race and I was just going to finish it. That was it. Even if I finished a minute under the 36 hours, didn't care. So I had two people looking after me and <laughs> which is hysterical actually. And we set off and I was feeling quite good and I was just rocking along on my own pace and I wasn't really looking at my watch and they sort of kept me updated and I said, Look, I don't want to know where I am or anything like that. I had various stomach issues at one of the checkpoints, which was very unpleasant, actually. Um, but I remember on the second, um, was the second day, I bumped into a guy who was having real problems. And so we walked for about 10, 15 minutes. I mean, it was fast walking, but we walked me chatting away. And I remember thinking, 
why do people tell tell me the spartathlon is so tough i mean this is this is lovely um then i thought actually i better get a shifty on so I, I left him to it um and i was going up one of the big hills and i'm useless at remembering names and things and somebody um had said to me mimi you're second female at this stage oh. and i thought yeah exactly i had no idea and i thought okay second we can do this just keep going mimi because we're not being competitive we're just you know doing our own thing the next thing I knew, I heard two voices behind me, coming up behind me, two more women. So I suddenly went from second to fourth. And I thought, oh. not having that one. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I thought, right, we've got to get a bit of a shuffle on here. So I kept, the, the um, Japanese lady just went. I mean, she flew up that hill. And I thought, forget it. There is no way that I'm going to catch her. But I kept up with the, I think she was a Hungarian lady. And I thought, well, I'll distract her by chatting. And then she's going to have to think. And, you know, she, anyway, she wasn't, I mean, she chatted away, but she wasn't being distracted. She wasn't being put off her pace. I was thinking, oh, God, really? Um, it just wasn't working at all. And then we overtook the um, Japanese lady, which was fab. And I thought, right, we are now, I am now third. And that is where I am staying. Um, so I did, um, I did finish third and, you know, coming, I mean, you know what it's like, you know, you're coming down that road, you leave the final checkpoint and you're coming down the road and you're thinking, you know, when you have the first time you do the race and you're thinking, okay, I know I'm close to the statue. Where the hell is it? I mean, you, just, yeah. you just can't see it. You know, you have to then turn right, don't you? I think that's right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and so yeah, you, suddenly, go, you go around in a sort of a big U shape. That's really kind of frustrating. It's about a mile, about a mile long sort of pointless new bent but yeah, yeah absolutely and you're just thinking where is this statue where is this stupid statue but what was really <laughs> lovely was that you know because i was third um i had a motorbike that uh, you know escorted me in i felt like the queen actually it did and all the kids were running you know with me you know as they do and people were cheering and and it was so emotional because a i was pleased to finish but to finish third was just beyond my expectations i had i was just totally gobsmacked i mean it was just it was the most wonderful feeling and that race is such a fantastic race is it that finish when you're running down that road and you've got everybody cheering you and you know you can see the statue and it's just it's magical there is no other race like it i mean it really is absolutely wonderful in that particular year, Mimi, Darren and I first started going when you went back again in um, uh, the 2000, when you did the 2015 double. Yeah. And, um, you know, back in 2011, was, was there the same level of, was there a big Team GB? I mean, did you know much uh, about the kind of race, uh, you know, as it was happening? Was there a big thing that week or was it sort of a bit more low key? It was much more low key. So I think that sort of the, what was really nice was the Team GB then started really, I suppose, for me when I did 2013. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then we got all the trophies as well, you know, so you've got the first Brit home, first female. And I said to Tim, that's so depressing because I was first <laughs> Brit home and I was first female. That is never going to happen again, <laughs> you know. But it's, you know, but I think it's lovely to see. So you've got much more. I mean, yes, there was a team, there was a, a British spirit and 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 that was lovely but not in the same way 
that we have now. So yeah, I think now it's lovely because it's, it's the build up beforehand. It's getting to know everybody. It's, you know, watching people's training. It's the kit um, and for the crew. So it's not just the runners. It's all about the support crew and everything else. So, you know, it's a real family affair now, which is wonderful. Where did the idea for the Spartathlon double uh, come from, Mimi? I mean, I know you've done previous doubles, but for many people, doing it just once is is pretty immense. I mean, how do you wrap your head around finishing a race like Spartathlon and then heading all the way back to the start line? <laughs> I know, I think that was totally bonkers. Um, I think because, <laughs> well, I'd done... Um, I'd sort of done the Grand Union, I'd done Comrades, uh, you know, I, I sort of did the race first and I then did, um, ex- I, the Grand Union I didn't, I, sorry, I, t- I did um, the Grand Union, I did ran to the race and then ran back. And I think, you know, if I was to do it again, I was lucky I got there, but I, I would do it the other way around just so you're not taking anybody's place. So the, the idea, I, I, I think because I'd done the race before, I tried to do it in 2013. And my body just wasn't having it. I just, I think, A, I didn't eat enough. I, I think I had a low level um, virus or something as well. And my body, I mean, I look at pictures now and my body just turned into this rag doll. I literally was bent over backwards, double and sideways. I was slurring my words, apparently. Everybody thought I was drunk. I mean, I had to say no wine, had to pass my lips at that stage. <laughs> and, and I was really, really struggling. Everything was just, my body was just not working at all and I got timed out um, at I had to have quite a big stop so the last I think penultimate to the last checkpoint I got timed out and that and when I actually eventually got back to my hotel room having been taken in the medical cart to the finish line feeling rather stupid actually but anyway I, I was feeling quite ill um, I, I, I went to the loo and my, my urine was was jet black so I was not in a good place at all. Yeah. So I just said to my crew, you know, right, we have to come back in 2015 and finish it off. And I think for me, it was important to do the race first. Um, you, you would never do it the other way around. Um, because I think, you know, the race is incredibly tough. As we all know, you know, it's, it's just one of those races, isn't it? You know, you just... Yeah the time limit is not a big one um and then you're racing against the clock from the beginning of the race right the way through to the end of the race so you've got to not panic about it you know and you have to run your own race on that one you know you can't really do it with somebody else you have to really do it on your own because if somebody else is then not feeling well you know you're then using up valuable time so I just thought, actually, I did a bit of research and, and I couldn't find anybody. I mean, I think somebody had perhaps done the double, but not within the race. So they hadn't done the race and then gone back. And I hadn't found anybody else who had done it except for Yanis, whatever he's called. You know, he he's done it. Yeah, him, you know. Um, I think he, he I, I can't remember when he did it, but I believe he did it. He did. David, David calls him Greek. Did he do it as well? Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of Greek guys, isn't there? So one is the original, but I like to use his correct name, which I'll try to pronounce, Phidippides. Um, and apparently Yanis, Yanis Kouros did it as well. Yes. But I, yeah, but I think it was, out, I think like you say, maybe it was out of out of competition, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and, I, and I think for me, it was important to 
if I was going to do it within the competition, sort of, you know, i.e. do the race first. I mean, actually, it's quite important to do the race, I think. For I mean, mind you, he did it in a fairly decent time, slightly better than me. Um, but I think, you know, you've got the added pressure of doing the race because you have got to finish. Because otherwise you can't turn around and go back. And I did try and do the return journey uh, within the same time constraints, but got slightly lost on several occasions. Oh, um, God, you know, wow. So... But, you know, but I loved it. And, and I think that, that would be, uh, I, mean, I think you, you end up when, when you came back, I think you did, I think it was like 50 hours or something, wasn't it for the return leg? I can't remember what it was. I know we had six hours sleep and then I've got it written down somewhere. I'm not, I never remember facts and figures, but it, um, I don't think it was, it wasn't, I don't think it was 50 hours, but it was, it was way over the 36 put it that way. I think it was 40 something nearer the 50 okay. rather than nearer the 40, sadly. Um, but it's very weird going back a different way. You know, things like, you know, the motorway section Well, we had to sort of hopscotch up and over the motorway to sort of, to go in the, in the right direction. And we did it all safely, but you know, that, that bit was pretty scary. And when you actually, yeah. as we, you know, come to the mountain, you know, as you know, the mountain looks completely different when you're coming the other way. There's no signpost. There's nobody there. There are no checkpoints. There's, no, there's nothing at all. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then when you, when you actually get to the finish, again, we spent 45 minutes or something faffing around. We had a GPS with it all on. We knew we were in the right place, but we couldn't find the finish line or the start. Because, of course, when you're doing the race itself, You've got all these people lining all the streets. So you don't see the steps. You don't see the shops and you don't see the square. You, all you see is a line of people and you're running past it. So it looked completely yeah. different. Yeah. We got there in the end. I mean, Mimi, yeah, it's, it's, it's such an alien concept for most kind of doing the double. I mean, how do you sort of wrap your head around it? You know, the fact that there's so few people that even attempt this type of thing, as you said, to kind of be doing the return leg and it being so alien and maybe finishing at a start line and there being nobody there. Have you kind of got any advice for people that might want to try doing a double of their favorite ultra? Well, I think if you want to go and do something, go and do it. You know, you know, people go and do double Bob Graham and all, all of that as well. So it's exactly the same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's, you know, it's like entering a race. So when you enter a race, you know that you've got to run 50 miles, 100 miles, 153 miles, whatever it might be. All you're doing is doubling it. So actually your race is 300 odd miles. And so you're only getting to the halfway point when you finish the race, but you do have to finish the race first before you turn around. So it's one challenge at a time and then you can turn around and go back, you know, so... Um, I think I just love it. I just think it's one of those things that is quite fun. It's quite nice to have a challenge. It's just a bit different. Perhaps people thought I was completely mad, but I did do the race first. <laughs> did uh, did Mr. Foden give you a word of praise in 2011 when I, when you did the race and uh, and finished third? No. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> But, you know, I didn't mind, you know, the, um, what I loved actually, I was very, I'm just, I'm just so naughty. I can't just behave myself. When you have the, uh, we had the award ceremony at, at the end, you know, when everybody's given their certificates and, then, and it's lovely actually, because everybody's there and it's again, very, very special. 
And the winners are then presented, I think, well, I think all of us are actually presented by their ambassador. So, of course, when I went up to get mine, so the lady who, I, you know, the lady who came first, it was Sylvia, Sylvie, she always came yeah. first. Sylvia Lubbocks. That's her, yeah, fab runner. And, but she was always terribly well behaved and, you know, she, she was terribly serious about it. And I thought, yes, I'm so excited here. So I went up and I shook the poor ambassador's hand and I, I'm sure he thought, my God, like, oh, well, she just let go, you see. Got my trophy. <laughs> And you know, and you know, stood up on my podium, and I just went, "Yes, like this!" <laughs> I was just so excited, so excited, you know, because I never thought I'd do anything like that, especially on a race like the Spartathlon. So yeah, I probably completely overdramatized the whole thing, but I didn't care. I just thought I'm just going with the moment there, just going with the flow. Ah, uh, that's brilliant, Mimi. You've already mentioned your your amazing crew. Tim and Becky, you know, they're quite, I think in a, in a race like Spartathlon, you know, some of the crew members sort of carry a sort of personality themselves, aren't they? They're quite well known. I mean, have, yeah. have the guys been a, a huge help for you in the race like Spartathlon? Obviously, you know, attempting something like a double crew must be everything, mustn't it? Oh, no, my crew are fantastic. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. You know, Becky has, well, crewed for me since, since Joggle. And yeah. she's been part of all the big things that I've done, including sort of America. And she just knows me. I mean, she's known as the witch. Um, because, you know, <clears throat> if I'm coming up to a checkpoint or something, Becky and Tim, you know, will just have a, a, a competition to see, you know, exactly what time I'm going to be coming in. Becky gets it right every time. My husband gets it completely wrong. But she's almost right to the second. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So she is known as the witch. Um, but she just knows me really well. She knows that I'm not very good at eating. I mean, I do eat, but I, 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 I'm just not interested in food. So I just find it a really, a real struggle. And so there are times in events where I think it was when I did my double bad water and she gave me this bowl. I mean, God, it was disgusting. And it was on the way back and she gave me this bowl and it was so full of pasta and carrots and bleh. And um, I, I just threw my toys out of the pram at that stage. And I just, and I just said, I'm sorry, I'm just not eating that. It's disgusting. <laughs> and, um, and she said, and she, she took some out. She said, right, you've got to eat it. I said, no, I'm not going to eat it. It's got too many carrots in it. So I carried on running. I was like a stroppy little teenager. It was just appalling. I never usually behave quite like that. Anyway, a mile further on down the road, met by Becky again. And she stood there with said bowl. And she'd taken out the carrots, but she put in more of the other yucky stuff that was in the bowl. And I said, I looked at her and I, I, I said, I don't want that. And she, she basically looked at me. She said, well, put it this way, Mimi. You are not moving another step until you have eaten this whole bowl of food. She said, you can have as many tantrums as you like, but you are not moving. You wow. have never seen me eat anything quite so quickly in my entire life. <laughs> um, because I knew that she meant it. Um, and that was the thing. She knew me. She knew how I worked. Um, and I went off and then I turned around and I went, sorry, I was so stroppy. She said, Mimi, just go and run, you know? So she's brilliant. There's no, there's never any grudges held, um, or anything like that. So yeah, she's, she, I mean, they're all brilliant. That's amazing. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if you have this as well, Mimi, but a lot of people when they're doing their kind of training for big ultras, they, they, they don't eat at all, do they? I mean, with, within training you know, runs, the last thing they do is kind of eat and then they get to a really big event and they're almost learning to eat on, on the job, aren't they? I mean, how, how do you get your head around 
yeah, that sort of concept of um, a kind of a nutrition strategy for not only big events like Spartathlon and Badwater, but I guess, you know, potential kind of quite hot environments where typically eating is the last thing you kind of want to do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I did a lot of runs without any food uh, yeah. just because actually that was quite normal. But if I was coming up to a bigger event, then I would practice I would have to practice eating. So, you know, I would practice with my breakfast. I would then, you know, take food with me and I would have to practice sort of eating small amounts. And I, I mean, I'm still, I don't really have a favorite food because that changes all the time. People will say, you know, what's your favorite food? What works? Sometimes it's a peanut butter sandwich. Other times it's, you know, something else. Baby bells work, you know, so it's just, I think for me, yeah. it's about just getting food in rather yeah. than but I, I practice on the runs on my training runs um because otherwise yeah absolutely you get to the race itself and you suddenly find that uh, that doesn't suit you or it gives you diarrhea or it makes you sick or you know whatever so yeah absolutely you've got to practice have you ever done i don't know if you remember um dean Conaz's once went back to spartathlon uh, uh, and attempted to kind of run like uh greek philip and and yes. only the uh, figs figs and dates and and uh and so it came quite short have you ever kind of tried to do an ultra and only eat uh berries from the side of the road or no can you imagine doing that no <laughs> scavenging <laughs> food <laughs> scavenging no no absolutely not no um yeah and i don't have gels either i find um you know some people gels work really well me i just said make me want to just chuck they're just revolting so i don't have those either um but i do eat and I, I mean i do struggle with it but it's um you know i do do that otherwise you just can't get to the end of the race you know and i'm sure if i had i don't know better nutritionist or somebody who was on board to you know, do it sort of properly, then, you know, I'd, I'd probably, I don't know, would have been better. Don't know. You will never know. Is that, is that mostly well, controlled by, sounds like it's mostly controlled by Becky as well in those, in those big attempts where she will kind of prepare that for you and keep, uh, keep track of what you're, what you're eating. Yeah, she's very good. I mean, in any of the, uh, sort of the world records that we've done or the bigger events, yeah, they, I mean, they keep a diary. So every time, uh, or a logbook. So every time I sort of come in and I eat something, it's there. Um, and even on something like the Grand Union or any other big race that she does with me, um, because she knows that there's no point just bring, bringing one specific thing. They will bring a plate and, you know, it'd be a paper plate. And on that paper plate will be four things and I have to have three of them. Um, you know, so she does. And, and for me, that works quite well. Um, mm. Unless I say to her, actually, I really fancy a, a wrap or a an iced coffee or something like that and thinking she's not a chance that she's going to get that and she, she does every time somehow every yeah. time yeah she does she's magic yeah yeah i think that's, that's a that's a good a good strategy to have that kind of uh, sort of range of of choices isn't it um yeah great, great idea and maybe um we would chat about about joggle a little bit so um I think, um, was it sort of uh, 2007, 2008, maybe? You uh, yeah, decided to have a go there? Yeah, 2008, yeah. You, um, you set your sights on the, the, the Guinness World Records for um, running from 
the top of, um, I guess, for our, in inter our international listeners, because <laughs> there are a few, believe it or not, um, from the northern part of the no northern tip of Scotland, which is called John yep. Groats, uh, to the southwestern tip of the UK, which is in Cornwall. And so that sort of juts out into the, uh, into the Atlantic. Uh, it's called Land's End. And so it's known in the UK as, uh, as Joggle. Um, or if you do it in the other direction, uh, it kinda, it's kind of French, isn't it? Le, le Jog. Le Jog. Yes, I know. Le Jog. I know. Yeah. I know when somebody um, first said that to me. I had no idea what it was. It sounds a bit more exotic, doesn't it, Le Jog? It does. I know. Yeah. But Joggle um, but sounds you, fun. It, it does. That sounds a bit more British, doesn't it? I know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you set your sights on the on the, the the record, which I think was at the time was something like twelve days and twelve days, sixteen hours or something, was it? Yes, uh, held, I can't. Yes. Sharon, Sharon Gator. Yeah, he's got it back again. Um, <laughs> I know, yeah. but do you know something? You know, like anything in life, what is great is that records are there to be broken, and I think, you know, you you have the record for a bit, you can look after it, and it's yours, but. It's there to be broken and there to be yeah. set, taken by somebody else. So I think it's great. And she worked really hard for that. So, um, yeah, I had it for 11 years or something. Yeah, so I was, I was all right years, with yeah. that. I was all right. Um, but, yeah, no, somebody suggested that I went and um, – this is in 2006. I think somebody suggested that I did Le Jog. And I did have to Google it, actually, because I had no idea that there was such a thing. And also, I didn't know anything about the world records. So, yeah, I was quite naive with running. So, um, and I remember thinking, 840 miles, it's a long way. But, you know, why can't I do that? Do you know, that, that I couldn't think of a reason why I couldn't do it. I was quite experienced at that stage. I'd done Arctic races and I'd done various things. So, I'd done quite a lot of multi-day and long-distance stuff. So, I didn't see why I couldn't, with the rights of training and stuff, do the length of Britain because basically it's a multi-day event, isn't it? So, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, so I did have a go in 2007, but I started from Land's End and uh, 200 miles. I mean, actually at the end of the first day, I was having issues with, with one of my um, hips. And so after 200 miles, we had to call it a day. Yeah. But it's like anything, you know, yes, it, it, it was a failure, but you know, when you sit back and you look at how we'd organized it or I'd organized it and how it was, it was never going to be a successful um, world record attempt. It never was. It, the organization wasn't there. The crew wasn't there. Um, it just wasn't going to work anyway. So I thought about what had gone wrong, redid the whole thing um, and then did it again, but from the north all the way down to the south. So from, from John Groats uh, the following year. Um, where it was yeah. successful, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And um, I mean, I just, I, it blows my mind actually. Um, so thinking about about you, um, like just such a, it's such a massive challenge to do it in such a short space of time. But um, I just, I can't understand how you can handle the the roads because you've you've got to run quite a lot of it on a pretty busy. Uh, Pretty busy roads, right? Oh, you're yeah. coming down the, the A9 in Scotland? The A9's horrible. That's the oh. worst one, actually. And the, and the A30. The, um, yeah, the A30 in yeah. Cornwall. Yeah, yeah. it's just... We, we actually got, uh, we got stopped, actually, on the A30. And this was our last day. I mean, literally our last day. And I was so... I mean, the record was, you know, it was touch and go at that stage as to whether I would get the record or not. 
And so my crew had sort of worked out um, a pace that I had to sort of stay above in order to get this record. And they just said, Mimi, today there is no stopping. You are literally going to be running all day. And I thought, well, do you know, that's fine. This is the last day and then tomorrow yeah. I can have a lion. Yes, it was great. <laughs> and so going down the A30 and of course there was loads of traffic. It was, you know, July, it was really sort of busy, but it was, you know, we were sticking to the edge. I was high vised up to goodness knows what, so everybody could see me. It was, I say safe as it could be. It could be, yeah. And anyway, somebody complained to the police. And so the police then stopped us and we were stopped for 45 minutes. Now, thankfully, well, yeah, exactly. So you imagine at that stage, I just thought, well, that's it. You know, I'll get to, to, to Land's End, but I'm, I'm not going to get the record. I couldn't see how I could to make up the time that we've lost. You know, 45 minutes is a, is a lot, big chunk of time um, yeah. when you're not going terribly fast anyway. And thankfully, one of my crew was... Um, a, a, a policeman actually in the Devon Cornwall sort of police and so he rang up his his boss and just said I do, you know this is ridiculous because legally I was doing nothing wrong yeah exactly. um, I wasn't causing a traffic jam I wasn't doing anything wrong anyway they because he was trying to get me to go off on the little roads um, that would have added hours hours yeah yeah um, anyway finally he let us go and you know that moment you know you know what it's like when you, you you've run a long way you've got sore feet you've got blisters on your feet your motivation at that stage which was pretty high has crashed to the floor and I somehow had to pick myself up and you know get find that motivation and I really really struggled my feet were hurting I had to sort of warm the blisters up again and you know, my crew were great. Again, they were encouraging me. They were saying, come on, Mimi, you know, you can do this. And I was plodding along desperately. I was just trying to find, I think, a chink of lighter anything just to switch on the motivation. And I never forget it. I saw this sign on the road and it said Penzance 13 miles. And I thought, do you know, Mimi, you can do that. It's half a marathon. You yeah. can do that. Little did I know. Well, I did know, but I'd forgotten that it was another 13 miles past to but yeah. it didn't matter, you know, it was 13 yeah. miles and 30 miles at the time was a manageable chunk. You know, it was, and that was it. Light flicked back on and we were off, you know, Brilliant. so thank goodness for that sign. Amazing. Yeah. What did you break the record by, Mimi? In the oh, end? very little, very little. I think it was something like 37 minutes. Wow. So in yeah. the context of that police stop, insane. I know. I was really, I mean, you know, you look back, I mean, you know, these things happen and, you know, I was hit by a car and, you know, all these things, they happen. And so you can't look back and think, well, if it wasn't for that, I would have done this and I would have that because, you know, what happens, happens. But I beat it. It wasn't as much as I wanted to beat it by and I could have, you know, done it slightly better. But, you know, it doesn't matter. I still got the record. Um, so for me, that was the, that was the main thing. You know, I was too knackered to care actually when I finished. <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's 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 special. That's really special. Um, yeah, you must have enjoyed your uh, enjoyed your lion or the the glass of wine after after that one. Well, do you know my um, my mother had sent down um, a glass of or a bottle of um, bubbles, and. I had to be helped to my um, camper van and I, Tim actually, we, we'd sort of booked a hotel because all the, all the Cornish lot went home. 
they were picked up. But Becky gave me a, a massage and Tim brought in two glasses of um, champagne. I think I had a sip and that, <laughs> I was out. That was it. You know, and Tim, Tim was absolutely gobsmacked. And um, no, I was wide awake the next morning at four o'clock, ready to go again. Yeah. Um, I guess your, yeah. uh, your, your body, body clock was kind of set to, um, to, to be awake at four, right? And, and ready, ready yeah. to get ready going. Ready to yeah. go, yeah. Yeah. Do, do you, um, after you've done one of these massive challenges, maybe, do you, um, do you, do you get kind of any difficulties with things like, um, sleep patterns and stuff and trying to try to get back to, back to normal afterwards? Yeah. I, I, I find, especially on something like a sort of a world record where you, you, you're, you're not sleeping for very long. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd find I sleep for two minutes. I mean, two minutes, two hours at the most wake up another two hours, um, you know, I was very, very good at sort of cat napping as well. You know, I'd take, I'd take the laundry upstairs, the ironing upstairs, and I'd look at the bed in a laughing sort of a way. And it was only, to, I don't know, to five, midday or something. And I'd lie on the bed and two hours later, I'd wake up. It was just awful, isn't it? Um, but yeah, and I'd also, the other thing, and I don't know whether other people, I'm sure, I know they do, but it's, I would get very, very sweaty at night. And I'm, right, I've heard yeah. a lot of runners also do the same thing. I mean, it's, it's like, yeah. it was like going through the menopause, which I'm, you know, I've, I've been there, done that now, but at the time I hadn't. And it was, I was drenched. So, but I, I'm sure that uh, that's your metabolism or something. So yeah. just trying to go back to normal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting to think about what kind of, what kind of tool, ultra running takes on the on the body at, at levels that we possibly don't even mm. don't even know really um we um one of our future guests will be uh i don't, I don't know if you met dr dora at spartathlon she's the she's the doctor for the her, whole yes, race yeah, yeah she's yeah. a doctor for the whole race but um she tends to look out for the brits uh, very kindly uh, because she's um she's actually a doctor for the gb olympic team um, oh, so she's she? uh, she's on the Olympic staff, yeah. Um, but she, um, yeah, she probably will give some some interesting insights into. I, I know she's she's quite skeptical about kind of whether ultra running is actually good for you or not. Um, <laughs> she's, there's a few doctors that say it kind of does damage that. Um, yeah, might might be a bad thing, but. Well, it'll be um, quite interesting, won't it? In let's say ten years' time, you know, when we've been doing it all for a bit longer. You know, because when I started doing it, I mean, I know it's been going on for a long time. You know, there are very few people that are under, um, sort of, under 20, you know, in their early 20s. Now you've got people sort of 18, 19. I mean, you've even got some youngsters doing it at 15 in, I think, in America and things. So it'd be interesting to see the impact, you know, with history and sort of things, the impact that it has on their bodies when they're older. So that would yeah. be interesting to see. You know, we haven't yeah. really had that that time to yeah, that sort of longevity of study. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and then um, so you uh, you also had a a crack at the America Transcon, maybe didn't you? I know. Uh, so I, I know this is maybe a bit of a a bit of a difficult one. No, it isn't because you know something. It was um, I, I, I don't regret it. I don't regret it at all. Um, yeah, I did. I wanted to try and break the female world record for running across America. 
And the original record had been set in 1979 by a lady called Mavis Hutchinson, who I believe is still alive. I got a lovely email from her, actually, from her daughter. Oh, when we started the, oh yeah, brought a tear to my eye actually. It was just so, so nice. Cause you know, in those days to, to do it, you know, with no mapping, no nothing. I mean, just, it was just quite incredible. But I, so she did it from LA to New York, which is why I chose that route because I wanted to, I couldn't replicate her route, but I wanted to replicate her start and her finish because that was the female world record. And so my route was, um, I think, 2,852 2, odd miles to oh. do it. So, <laughs> so I, I thought, right, we'll do it in, I was aiming for 50 days, although I told everybody 53. Um, I thought, you know, it takes the pressure off you just a little bit, doesn't it? You know, three extra days. And that meant I would have to do 57 miles every single day to break mm. the record. Um, Wow. Yeah, it, it is quite hard. And it's sort of, so I did, I would do the bigger distance in the morning. Uh, psychologically, I found that much easier. It's like a race, isn't it? It's much better, I think, getting the bigger distance out of the way. And then once you get past the halfway point, you think, oh, yes, I'm nearly finished. Yeah. So exactly the same for me. Um, I then have lunch and then I'd finish. But I found that in the morning I was counting up the miles and then in the afternoon, I was counting down the miles. It's really weird because I didn't realize I was doing this probably until about halfway through the trip. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. So you're trying to get sort of uh, 30, 30, 37, 38 miles done in the, in the early yeah. part of the day. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was trying to do about, it's about 30, 32 miles to, um, in the morning and then, you know, the remainder in the afternoon. So just, just, I, a, mar just a marathon in the afternoon. I know, it's ridiculous. I know, but it didn't seem, you know, it, 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 it was doable. It was doable. As long as you're getting, I mean, the thing with something like that is, is it's getting the sleep. If you don't get the sleep on something so big, I think, you know, over three or four days, it's not quite so bad. You can manage it. But over, you know, 40, 50 days, if you're not getting that sleep, I mean, you're going to be tired anyway. It, yeah. you just you're just going to completely run out of energy and um it's the sleep deprivation that gets you that's quite interesting isn't it so in in the joggle juggle attempts i think you were you were only sort of averaging four 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 and a half hours a night uh, maybe, yeah maximum maybe. yeah anything between yeah. anything between three and four yeah absolutely yeah. And, then, and then any any napping during the day in in joggle uh, we had to, towards the end, we had to ch slightly change the routine um, because I was becoming quite tired. So we would do certain um, time and then I would have an hour and a half kip or something and then right. um, we'd go on. So we, we slightly adapted it as we went along um, towards the yeah. end, yeah, because I just couldn't stay awake, actually. Yeah, absolutely. But then in the, in the transcon attempt, it sounds like because you're going for that many more days, you need to factor in a larger sleep portion at night maybe so how how much how much sleep time would you have well i was well it all do i mean i think the latest i got in one night when i was doing my um going oh, i spent a whole week going cross country i mean honestly it's supposed to be a road race or road run <laughs> i was going cross country because it was the yeah. fastest way um i think the latest i got in was 10 o'clock um at the beginning i was getting in at around six thirty-seven. um okay. so lots of sleep but i was up at four thirty. And then as it went on, I'd probably be getting in, I don't know, nine, eight, nine o'clock. But that's still, that's still all right. 
Um, some but no, still, some but days still, might be still getting up at four at four in the morning every day. Four o'clock, four four thirty. 4.30 every single day we got that. But again, that, that was, you got so used to, it's like going to work, you know, you know, Monday to Friday, if that's, you know, how you work, you have to get up at a certain time. Or if you want to fit in a run, people factor that in and they get up. So it's exactly the same sort of thing. I was, and so I got very used to waking up at 4.30. Yeah. That, that works with my body clock. If I get up at four and start running at 4.30, my body's not quite awake. But four thirty, yeah. then start running at five. I'm fine. You're all right. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? That whole kind of when you're, uh, you know, what time your body's sort of ready to do something. So D- David and I tried, <laughs> tried and failed miserably to set the record for running round uh, London yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we and we started at five in the morning, and we just we just couldn't. We just couldn't get it going at all. Couldn't get any kind of pace going. I think if we'd started just like maybe an hour later, it might have, um, you know, it might have made a difference. I don't know if it's your two weeks later, two weeks later. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's your your body's not um, maybe just not producing the right kind of um, chemicals or uh, endorphins or hormones or whatever at a certain time. It's um, yeah. But it's like a race, isn't it, as well? I think, I mean, I, I got to know quite quickly, you know, so my bad time, um, so when I did the Irish world record, you know, my bad time is between four and, um, so three and five, really. That's my really bad time. And that's when I really, I need to go to sleep. So I was only allowed two hours. So that's when we would try and factor in the sleep so that, that you know, I would wake up and so be refreshed rather than, waking up feeling knackered thinking i hadn't had enough not to skip so, right, it's, you know, okay. so uh, as you say if you'd started possibly half an hour later yeah it, it might have just you know you might have your body might have been awake everybody's body's different some people might start at four or earlier whereas you know forget it i can't do that doesn't yeah. work and um just going back to the transcon maybe you got um you got really uh, really deep into that didn't you and you were you were very much on on course if i remember correctly for mm-hmm. for, for breaking the record until unfortunately it was a knee a knee problem um, yeah. yeah i'd had i'd had my meniscus sorted out um and i had i have never been so good with my rehab and exercises and everything and and the doctors the surgeons everybody knew what i was doing and they were all quite happy about it I even had Kent University um, supporting me with their, um, their sports side of it. I, I mean, everybody was brilliant. So, yeah, it was one of those things that either it was going to happen or it wasn't going to happen. I, I presumed right. it wasn't because I, I was quite relaxed about it all and it was quite fine. But, you know, eventually my knee gave up. There's pictures of, of me. It, it began impacting my back, so I was... I was running with this slant to my left-hand oh, no. side, and which the chiropractor tried to sort it out. It was very good, but it was it was very odd because if I didn't concentrate, I felt as if I was going to fall over. It, you know, it was that pronounced, um, and my knee was going in inwards uh, as well. So yeah, it it was. I have never ever experienced a pain like that it was excruciating and so when we had it was day 40 and at that stage I'd yeah I had 10 11 more days to go and at that stage I had run 
well over 2,000 miles. And yeah, couldn't go any further. I had to stop. It, it, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was the right decision. It was. I know that now. Well, I knew it at the time, otherwise I wouldn't have made it. But uh, it took me a long time to make it when I was actually sitting in that hospital. Because um, you do feel, you know, you know that, I mean, I've been given grief apparently by uh, various people on um, various forums and things like that. Oh, you know? really? oh yeah. You can't believe the, um, how nasty nasty people can be sometimes you know social media the nasty side of social media i also had the wonderful side of um, you know social media but it was um i'm really I think, sorry to hear that yeah no well i didn't uh, thankfully i didn't know a lot about it it was it was my crew who had to sort of put up with it all but it, it no it wasn't very nice um but i think with something like a world record, when you've got everybody watching you and, you, and you do, you know, I had a tracker. Actually, for the rules of Guinness, I didn't need to have that tracker. I purely had the tracker as, it, as added evidence and so that people could come out and support me and things. But actually, I didn't need to have the tracker. But I got massive amounts of hard time because the tracker wasn't working or various other bits and pieces. But I did feel really right. under pressure doing, um, doing something like that and then make, having to make that decision to stop, you do feel like a failure. And you do, well, it wasn't just a failure. It was, it was a failure on sort of an epic scale, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah, it was, you're lucky I'm not crying, actually. Usually, usually my person's tears. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, 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 it was silly. You mustn't use that, that word. Um, I'd, uh, no, no one, no one who runs two thousand miles across across America can be can can have that word used. That's that's just not that's just not the case. Um, I mean, there's some there's some things like I mean, you've you 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 proved time and time and time again that you could push yourself to the absolute limit. Right? There's no you know you you didn't you didn't need to prove anything there. And there's some things that just you know, if you've got bones rubbing against bones, yeah, you can't, you can't. you're not, you're not going to overcome that. And, and, and ultimately, I know it means like the absolute world to, to you for, for those record attempts, but you know, your health, your health got to come first, right? I mean, there's a lot of things, other things in life and um, yeah, absolutely the right decision. Of course. One, yeah. One million no, it, percent. Yeah. And it was, and I think, you know, I then, you know, you look back on it and yeah, I, I fail. I didn't get to my destination, yeah, but I had yeah. the courage to try and I had the courage to start. Um, and I yeah. did believe that I could do it. Um, you know, and I still believe had my knee not, you know, done what it done. I, you know, I, I still believe yeah, yeah. I could have done it. Yeah. Um, but you know, that that's by the by. Um, I think, I think for me, one of the most difficult things, well, obviously apart from not succeeding was, also the end of my running career um, mm. as I'd had it. And I think that I really struggled with big time, um, yeah. you know, and it is like a, it's like a grieving process. Do, do you feel, um, I don't know, I followed some of your social media posts about, about that at the time. It was quite, um, yeah, you were obviously going through a really, a really difficult time. Is mm. that, um, is that something that you feel is, is, is improved? You sort of come to terms with now or is it still, is that still quite hard? Um, no, it, it, it took me a long time to come to terms with it. I mean, it really did. Um, 
and I've said in sort of, you know before in other, in other interviews that you know I found myself going into a, a deep dark sort of hole and I don't have mental health issues I've never suffered such from depression and things I've been very lucky so for me this was a really weird sort of feeling because I've never felt quite like that before um and so I did I did have to have a, a bit of a serious chat to myself um because it wasn't just impacting me it was impacting my family and 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 everything and, and that's not fair so I spoke to various people uh, Mark Cobain was one of them actually um and he said well why don't you cycle from Lansdowne to John O'Groats there's a cycle ride that uh, takes place in an event and, and it, yeah, and it because I, I, I was also missing the fact that I hadn't got any challenges lined up. I hadn't got anything. Mm. Usually I've got everything, you know, but it's like you've got loads of stuff lined up. So it gives and you I that had, uh, that focus. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was fab, actually, because, you know, he just said it as it was. And um, he's been through the similar things. So for me, he was a real, very, you know, I don't think he had any idea how supportive and how fantastic it was just to be able to speak to him and for him to say why don't you go and do that and then I came away from that phone call thinking okay well why not so there you go that's I know I'm, I'm a bicyclist now and now you're addicted to cycling well <laughs> I do yeah do you know I do quite enjoy it now yes I've got three bikes it's quite exciting <laughs> <laughs> yeah it can, it can be it can be addictive buying bikes I can I can vouch for that absolutely yeah, no, um, I do enjoy it. It's not the same as running. It can never um, be the same as running, but it's different. And, uh, you know, I do enjoy it. How is your open water swimming, Mimi? Oh, don't talk to me about that. Good grief. <laughs> Honestly, I have this. Oh, that was the other thing. I overcame this fear of water to, and learned how to do the front crawl. And yeah, went swimming today. The water was very cold, very cold. <laughs> and then you've got to put your face in the water and, and they expect you to be able to breathe, you know? Oh, anyway, I did it. I was, I was quite pleased with myself because you know, even a year ago, I wouldn't have got into water that cold. You know, I just don't enjoy it. So I think well, the fact that I can get in now with ease um, and actually eventually put my face underwater, you know, and you can't see the bottom at all. It's all sort of, you know, then a fish jumps up and you go, oh God, go away. <laughs> It'll never be um, a passion of mine, should we say that, but I, I am determined that I am going to be a decent swimmer. So that, that's what I've got to keep on working at. <laughs> that's brilliant. Amazing. Um, yeah. Is it possible to do a duathlon that's swimming and cycling and no running? You can do an aquathon. An aquathon. Swimming and uh, swimming and biking, and um, so I don't think I don't, don't I don't know whether there is a swimming bike and a run. I don't know. Oh, yes, that's a triathlon, isn't it? That's triathlon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can scrap that from the interview. <laughs> <laughs> How funny! Yeah, I've done uh, one of those too. <laughs> that was uh, one of those brilliant. moments, wasn't it? You can put that down to age. Yeah, we're, we're gonna we're, we'll keep we we'll keep that one in, Mimi, if that's all right. Um, <laughs> What um, we just uh, wanted to ask about um, how so something that we talk about uh, for a bit actually in the sort of the British the British Spartathlon team side of things um, is the is the amount of uh, female participation actually in the in the sport in general but and in and in races like Spartathlon um, I did see the likes of yourself and um, 
Lizzie Lizzie Hawker uh, and like Debbie Debbie Martin Kilnsani, uh sort yeah. of being kind of a bit trail trailblazers kind of for for British ladies in that in that realm. Like, can, can you um can you put any sort of reason on on why the sort of take up might be might be quite low from the ladies' um, point of view? Is it something that we're keen to try to kind of address in our in our sort of comms and stuff if we if we can? I think it's really difficult, isn't it, you know, with, um, with you know, the, the ladies. And it does go back to, I mean, I know that when I first started running, um, it was very tough because I didn't know any, anybody else that did what I did. I knew two other friends who did happen to be females, actually, but everybody else was a man who turned up for a race and there were very few women. Um, yeah. And I did get a few... Ooh, rudish comments from sort of you know friends and things it wasn't meant to be rude but you know people would say to me so when are you giving up running well you know nobody ever says to a man when are you going to give up football or when are you going to give up golf or they just don't say that sort of thing so um and i think it is difficult uh, it's easier now it is it's difficult with uh women you know working um i was very lucky i didn't work um i sort of worked from home and things but i think that's difficult and also it i'm gonna sound very controversial here but regardless of how good the husband is with the children or your partner is with the children ultimately i always think that it's it's down to the female to who is left to organize things and do things so i think sometimes it's more difficult for for a woman to go out and do the training now that's a great generalization my my wife's gonna love the fact that you've Said that. Thanks, me. It's, it's very MPC, isn't it? I know. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it's, it's, I think I think you're right. I think uh, yeah. I think as men, we um, yeah, we don't you know we we might be a bit more involved in uh, kind of maybe childcare, like changing changing a nappy or something. But um, but we don't tend to yeah, we don't we don't tend to do. My, my wife calls it emotional labour. We don't yeah. we don't do enough of the uh, of the emotional labour, the the organising and the. The thinking about things and attending to uh, things that need to be looked after. So yeah, I think I think it's a good but point. Then my husband never did. My you know, but I, and I know things that have changed. But I think it is very difficult. You know, women are the ones that um, you know we we're the ones that get pregnant. We carry the children. So um, that that's that's quite tough. And then you know, then you've you when when you've had the children, you're then you know you've got to feed them. So it's it's fitting it in and it's much yeah. more, it's much more difficult to us for us to sort of fit it in and then you've got the guilt as well that you know perhaps you shouldn't be doing this because you should be at home looking after the children and so it is really difficult to say you know how you can improve it i mean i think in certain distances i think the race is you know the participation of women i think 50 milers and you know things like that has improved massively yeah. um and you are getting yeah, I think the training for a hundred miler puts people off, although it doesn't have to be that daunting. But I think people are put off possibly by the sort of training and trying to fit it in around um, family life and things. You know, I mean, I'm married to somebody who doesn't do any sport at all. I mean, he's a fisherman. He goes up and he's, he fishes up in Scotland. Um, you know, so he would quite happily organise all his trips and just leave the house. So if I had to organise right. my running, 
I had to organize the children, the childcare, the dogs, <laughs> you know, and do everything. So, but I think, again, that's, again, I, I don't know, on PC or whatever it is now, but ultimately that's what women do. We organize yeah. that. That's what we've always done. Um, but I think women now, it's becoming much easier. You know, you've got running buggies now. You've got women-only groups you've got, which some people like. You know, you've got lots of things to encourage women now to start running. And it doesn't have to be the ultra, but, you know, trying out a trail race, going for a, you know, um, running festival weekend uh, with your other half and or by yourself with some friends. You know, there's many more opportunities now to sort of get women out. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it is, yeah, it is difficult. It is really, really tough. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, definitely the participation rates are, yeah, like you say, they're, they're improving quite a lot. And th I think like the, um, the Centurion races, I think the, the ratios are, are, are getting, getting better. Um, so, yeah, cool. Um, great. Well, uh, David, anything else for uh, Mimi? I'm, I'm aware we're, we're keeping you from your from your dinner, Mimi. I think if you've just come back in from golf. Um, <laughs> I had uh, one one final question, Daz. So if you go to Mimi's brilliant website, uh, marvelousmimi.com, uh, Mimi, your the first picture you see is yourself wonderfully kissing the foot. Of, oh yes. You know, is, is, is there anything better in ultra racing than? spartathlon and kissing the foot no i have to say i mean i have done many races and i've loved every single one of them but i have to say running down that road running up those steps and kissing that foot i mean you can't beat it can you i mean i virtually snogged it in 2000 <laughs> honestly i'm surprised there's any foot left but uh, you know it is it is the most wonderful feeling in the entire world you know it is such an accomplishment to get to the finish line of that event isn't it it's you know you work so hard to get there with the training the planning and then just getting to the end in the in the race as well um overcoming everything that's chucked at you so yeah that that foot fab love it excellent excellent oh we hope to uh Hope to see you. Uh, maybe you can come out for a come out for a, a holiday, maybe at the same time as uh, Spartathlon's on, and uh, give David. Oh a no, crack absolutely! One. I, I shall go and cruise somebody one day. I haven't crewed anybody yet, so um, I'll cruise. Oh, Tim and I are very good at crewing. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I will take, take you up on that. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks. <laughs>